it's a beautiful autumn morning. The leaves are falling, the trees are changing. We're seeing the reds, the oranges, the yellows. Has anyone tried to run through the leaves yet? Dang. Okay, climbing trees, that, that counts. That definitely counts. So soon enough we'll be, I'm one of those that likes to jump on the leaves. Just hear them crush, amen. Such a beautiful time of the year. Just want to remind everyone of the announcements of the things that are happening in our church. Tonight we have Spanish service at 6 p.m. And I believe the youth are having an event here at the church as well at 6 p.m. If for more information, please see Brother Kane Cross or Sister Alicia Cross. Wednesday we have 7.30 Bible study. And Thursday night at 7.30 we have our Spanish Bible study or Spanish service. Saturday will be men and ladies prayer at 8 in the, in the morning. Ladies, you can join in if you like through our Zoom, through our Zoom call, or you can come here at the church. Next Sunday, October 11th, we have a special uh, service, and that will be the Faith in and Blue service. And what we're doing is we're doing a special prayer for our officers, our police officers. They protect our city. They are always standing in the gap when something goes on, and we just want to honor them. We're going to be doing a prayer proclamation, putting in this beautiful frame and, and um, taking it over. We're going to actually be praying over it here on Sunday morning, and then we're going to be taking it over to them on Monday or Tuesday of, of next week. Um, with that, we have raised uh, money for to get uh, each police officer a Dunkin' Donuts card. We would like to raise that from the $5 that we originally set to $10. And so we just need $300 more to be donated to be able to go to that. Um, you can donate that today or next Sunday. But if we are able to raise the funds by this Sunday, then we can go this week and purchase those gift cards and then have them available for next Sunday. But we are able to do that. We can give today or next Sunday, and I believe that, again, that's $300 that we just need so that we are able to make that instead of a $5 gift card, a $10 gift card for our police officers, and we are donating 160 gift cards. I think that's amazing. I believe from the numbers that, that we got, there's 157 police officers, but we want to round it off to 160 just to make sure we're not missing anyone. So it's beautiful to be a part of our community, to to bless those that are in leadership and to honor them. They, they fight for us. They're here for us. So it's good to honor them. Amen. Um, if you also would like to give and are not able to physically because you don't carry cash, a lot of places are not allowing you to have cash. We do have um, Tithely, our Tithely app. You can go on Tithely on your uh, Google Play uh, store, or you can go to the Apple store and go on there, search Tithely, and just once you download the Tithely app, you can go on and search the Pentecostals of New Britain. It should come up, and you should be able to give through there um, financially, however you would like to give. If, if you want it to give that way for the Faith in Blue, just make sure you hit Other, and you put in there, this is for Faith and Blue, so that we know where that money is to go. 
Um, also, our app has other information on there. It's got our calendar on there. It's got our events. It's got sermons. It's got notes for Wednesday night Bible studies. Um, just wonderful things that are in there. So please check out our church app. That's on Tithely and just search the Pentecostals of New Britain. If you have a need and you would like us to pray for you, uh, you, you have other needs. Somebody is in the hospital. They need meals. They need a ride, um, something, whatever the need is, feel free to contact us at prayer at nbupc.org. Again, that's prayer at nbupc.org or at care at nbupc.org. Once again, that's care at nbupc.org. And let's remember, continue to remember uh, Sister Diane Williams and her family. We miss them terribly. We know she is in England where she needs to be with her husband, and he's still in the hospital. But let's continue to pray for him, for a complete healing in his body, and for Sister Williams and their family for strength and guidance. I know that going through something like this is not easy, and if we were in her shoes, we would want all the prayers that we could get. We want the body of Christ is what we're here for. The body of Christ is here to rally around those that are in need and to help them and pray for them. Amen. And with that, let's also pray for Brother Eddie's uh, mother. She has cancer, and they are having a difficult time. That's one of the reasons why Sister Grisel is not able to be here this morning. Please be in prayer for Brother Eddie's mom. She's dealing with cancer. We want to pray for them. Amen. Also, uh, throughout this week, we've been doing this now for the past three weeks or so. We're asking that the church would join in in fasting. Uh, choose a day or two out of the week as the Lord directs you, and we're uh, and just fast. Take the time to fast unto the Lord. Why do we fast? To draw closer to God, to crucify the flesh, to say, not my will, but your will be done in my life, so that we get direction from the Lord. And so the days that we're targeting are Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So choose two of those days or one of those days and feel free to fast. You can fast the whole day. You can fast a couple of meals, one meal. Um, you can even do a kind of a Daniel fast for the day and just choose to do vegetables, do items that are healthy, that are good for you. You can fast social media. You can, you can fast so many things. So please join in. We're not making this, we're not restricting it to one specific type of fast. We just want you to fast. Again, it's part of crucifying the flesh and aligning ourselves with God's purpose in our lives for our church. For our church, God is doing something different in 2020. And we want to be a part of that. We don't want to miss it. Amen. And also, uh, before I hand the or I should say Brother Cross comes to open. Just wanted to say thank you to everyone that came yesterday for the prayer drive. We had a wonderful time. Um, we, we hit to several locations. I know that everybody had multiple locations that, that they went to, and I'm just so thankful for what God is doing in our city, for what God is doing in, in our state, and I can't wait to see what God is going to continue to do in our service with the word of God. Amen. 
so glad we have the word of God, the light, our guide, literally God's word, amen. So if you'd like to turn with me to 1 Timothy, chapter 6, we're going to read verses 6 and 12, that's 1 Timothy, way in the back, chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 6 through 12. bit of our, our warning and encouragement as well uh, for us in this time. In the Bible reads, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, or that means clothing, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, now some people say that for the, like money is the root of all evil. No, the Bible says the love of money. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some they coveted after that money and love of it, they feared from the first and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But here's the encouragement. But thou, O man of God, Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. And then it concludes here. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold, lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called. And has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Amen. So we all know 2020 is not what we expected at all whatsoever. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, big roller coasters. But as we see, we must move forward. We have to continue to believe God. We will not let our guard down over the attacks of Satan or the confusions and the chaos that's going on that affects our thinking and our hearts and decisions we make. We will not let our guard down. We will make our calling and our election sure. We will move forward. God is still who he declares he is. And the Great Commission is still there. Preach the gospel to every nation. Reach lost souls. Sinners still need to be saved. Amen. And so let's just pray that God would help us to focus on his plan and his purpose. I know a lot of things have changed. We had to focus our finances maybe a little differently and our family and children, you know, the way school is going on. But let's not get so caught up in all the changes we have to make and we forget the purpose we forget the plan while we're all here is to do the work of God to labor in that harvest so let's all pray that God will help us to focus and to hear his voice that's what we really need to hear his voice to hear his guidance so let's all pray thank you God that we know Lord that even in chaos and in turmoil and just all the things that are going on you are still the prince of peace oh you are still the lord of all lords and that you still have all power and you're still almighty. So we call upon you, God. You said that you're a present help in a time of need. And there's a great need, Lord. We need you, God. We just ask to hear your voice, Lord. We need guidance, God. We need wisdom to make these choices, Lord. This is unprecedented what we're going through, God. But, oh, Lord, if it's unprecedented, then we know that you will magnify yourself. You will be exalted and you will show yourself to us. And you will give us the power and the wisdom that we need to meet the challenge. And you said to ask and to seek and to knock. So that's what we're doing, God. 
And we believe you will respond because you want the best for us, Lord. You want us all to make it. You don't want anyone to be lost. You don't want anyone to burn in the lake of fire, God. So here we are, Lord. We just ask for your help to focus on you, Lord. Bring us back, oh God, to the purpose of why you saved us, of why you came to this earth. The purpose of church itself, God, always oh, to love you, Lord, and to do your work and to love all the souls into heaven, God. To speak to them the truth in love to guide them, to lead them, to live a holy life, Lord, no matter what other people choose to do or don't choose to do, God, but to stay faithful to you, Lord, as you've been so faithful to us, God. You've been so kind. We thank you, Lord, that we have all our needs met, God. We don't have all our wants. We don't have all our dreams or desires met, but we have what we need, and we're thankful, Lord. We're thankful for what you've done for us, and we're glad we can come here in person, Lord, and gather together with other disciples and magnify you, Lord, and strengthen one another. We just ask, oh, Lord, you help those souls that can't gather in person, Lord, in this country. You give them that opportunity, Lord. You open up the door for them, God, so they can have this needed aspect of your word, Lord. And we just ask to have ears to hear when you speak to us this morning. Amen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's praise God and worship him and give him thanks and just have a great time in his presence. Amen. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord this morning. He's worthy of the praise. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful for the cross this morning? Thankful for the blood that he shed on Calvary for us. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing it together. On a
let's just worship the Lord. Let's just love on him this morning. that you paid on Calvary was great. The price that you paid on Calvary was great, Jesus. I'll forever love that old cross. I'll forever love that old cross, dear Jesus. You didn't have to do it, but you love me so much, oh God, that you gave yourself for me. Oh, God, and when you give us those crowns when we get to heaven, Lord, we will take them and lay them before you. We will lay them at your feet, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. You are everything, Lord. You are everything, oh, God. You are everything, Jesus. You know, if 2020 has taught me anything, is that he is my everything. He is my everything. Everything fades away, but he remains. He remains. He remains. He's faithful. He's just. He's true. He's loving. He's caring. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we worship you this morning. Let's sing this unto the Lord. He's my everything.
dear Jesus, you made me new. You made me new, Jesus. Aren't you thankful that he didn't leave you the same way that you were? You were broken. You were torn. You were hurting. You were filled with sin, but he didn't leave you that way. He cleansed us. He bought us with his blood. He washed us clean, and now we are his. We are his children. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful? We're just singing about the blood today. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Verse 1. Down at the cross where my Savior died.
there's power. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus, we give you glory and praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Just before we, re we receive our offering and the plates or the baskets will be over here on the side so that kind of allow for social distancing if you want to be able to bring up an offering. Before we do that, I want to mention one more time about Faith in Blue. Uh, that is going to be happening next week. We're going to have a time of special prayer uh, for our police officers. Again, for those of you that haven't been able to take part in it yet, uh, if we raise about $300 more, we'll be able to double the amount of the gift cards that we're giving to every police officer. And uh, there are 157 police officers in New Britain. That's a lot of officers. And I know there's a lot going on in our society right now. And no matter what segment of society, no matter what part of society, there's always a few bad eggs or a few bad apples, right? But most, I would say by far, most officers are tremendous, wonderful people. And they deserve to be honored. And so we are going to do that next Sunday. If you can give towards that, please see either Brother Brown or myself or uh, just go ahead and put it in an envelope marked uh, uh, Faith and Blue. Uh, again, we're going to have a special presentation next Sunday. It's going to be awesome to be able to go to the police department and hand them all those gift cards and say give these to your officers. That is just going to be great. So, again, if you could help towards the remainder. Uh, there's been several large gifts, one check for $700. Uh, another uh, gift of $400, another of three, or another of two, I'm sorry. Uh, and then, so with everything that's been coming in, a lot of money has been given, $300 more, and we'll be done. Uh, so if you can help with that. Then next Sunday also in the morning, we have a missionary coming in, and uh, that's going to be awesome as well. Last thing I do want to mention, if you are interested in helping uh, teach Sunday school or our, our, our youth classes, children classes on Wednesday night, uh, please see Sister Jenny. They can desperately use some help. Uh, we need more helpers in Sunday school, so please help out with that. Uh, we're going to dismiss our classes as we receive the offering. So God bless you as you come. Let's give unto the Lord. Again, the baskets are here on the side for your giving. And then the classes are dismissed. Brother Brown is going to be preaching this morning. Looking forward to an awesome message this morning. Let's worship, and let's worship the Lord as we give.
Come on, let's do that right now. Let's praise Him. Praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Praise Him when the sun. One more time. Praise Him. Praise Him. Oh, praise Him. I will praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Praise Him when the sun goes down. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't we clap our hands to Him right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Won't you turn me with me real quick in your Bibles? Amen. We want to welcome all of our guests um, that are here. Thank you for everyone that's here. All of those that are watching online, we're thankful that you're watching online. Uh, if you're a guest or one that normally watches, amen. And, and if you're a guest in our service or if you're someone who has normally been here, we're glad you're here. And, and for those of you that haven't been with us in a while and you're here this morning, we're glad to see you. Amen. Amen. Sister Brown, glad to see you. Brother Brandon, glad, glad to see you uh, and your wife there. It, it's just amazing that um, we are we are in the house of God this morning. Amen. And God is with us. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? We're in his house. And he's here. We didn't come in uninvited. We didn't crash the party. He already had the table spread. We've been singing an old song this morning. I love that old song, Come and Dine. The master calleth, come and dine. He's got a table spread for us. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands to the Lord right now. Feel the Holy Ghost in the house. We've been singing about the blood. We've been singing about the cross this morning. Before we even get started with the message, this is, this is not even the sermon necessarily that God gave me, but Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4, it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs, Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Not his own because he didn't have any transgressions, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Not his iniquities because there's no, there was no iniquity or guile within him, but he was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. He is peace, but he took the chastisement and the punishment that he did not deserve for my peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. He didn't need healing because he was the healer, but he went ahead and took the stripes for our healing anyway. And for a minute while he was on the cross, It may have seemed like he was defeated. But it was prophesied way back in the beginning when man fell. That the seed of Satan would bruise the heel of the seed of man. In other words, would wound him. 
feel like stomping this morning. Because <laughs> it also said, but the seed of man, the one that's coming to be our Savior, the one who shed his blood, the one who would be wounded, the one who would be bruised, the one who would be chastised, the one who would take the stripes under his foot, under the same heel that Satan wounded. He used the same heel that the devil wounded to put him under his feet. I wonder if I can get a Holy Ghost stomp in the house because Jesus is victorious. Come on now. I got a word in my spirit right now. He's a victor. It might have seemed like he was defeated as they were driving the nails in his hands and his feet. And as he hung there on the cross. And when they put the stone across the grave that they laid him in. It may have seemed like he was defeated. But he didn't stay there. He put the devil under his feet. Because he did all of that for me. And now he stands today as a wounded victor. As a wounded conqueror. With every enemy under his feet. And he wants you to know today, because he was wounded, and yet is victorious. So you, even though you've been wounded, Even though you have suffered, even though your heart has been broken, even though you've been crushed, you also are victorious through the blood of Jesus. You are victorious. Through the power of the Holy Ghost that he put in your heart. I know you're wounded. But you're victorious. I know it hurt you. But you are still victorious. He was wounded. And yet victorious. So that we could suffer whatever wounds that we have to suffer. Or whatever wounds that may have come our way. Sometimes unnecessary wounds. Wounds that we didn't deserve. Wounds that we did nothing to earn. Wounds that weren't our fault. Somebody just needs to hear that you're not to blame for your wound. 
but you are victorious. You are victorious in spite of your wounds this morning. I feel like crying because I know that some of you are sitting here this morning still yet with open wounds in your spirit. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, there is yet a balm in Gilead. And there is yet healing available for you. And when you come on the other side of this, and when you've received the healing that you need, you're going to walk in victory. Come on, somebody. You're going to walk in victory, amen? I don't know how this is going to go the rest of this the rest of this time and I'm just going to I'm going to fl- try to flow in the Holy Ghost. I feel like I can move right into the sermon that God gave me which kind of relates to all of this. So so we're going to try to do that right now and if 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 the Holy Ghost takes over then the Holy Ghost takes over. All right, I got plenty of notes, I got plenty of scriptures, I got plenty of things. I got I got a word I could preach as long as I need to preach, but I want the Holy Ghost to move and we're going to let the Holy Ghost move today. So, as you respond to the word of God today, uh, uh, whenever you begin to respond the way God wants you to respond, we're just going to stop and let God do what he wants to do. Is that all right? Is that all right? Can, can we just do that? It's going to be based on your response. But God's got a miracle for you. God's got a healing for you. God's, God's got deliverance for you. God's got a, work, a word for you this morning. Amen? Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. I know I didn't even give you time there. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I'll give you a minute there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and hold it, sister. Hold it for now. The Lord is already speaking. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Amen. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, everyone say nevertheless. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life I which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me amen I want to preach to you this morning from this simple title living in the nevertheless living in the never the less. You don't get it right now, but you will eventually. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and would you begin to pray right now? Jesus, I thank you for your presence that I feel and your power that I feel. Lord, I'm asking above all things that you would speak today. I don't want my voice to be heard, Lord. We want your voice to be heard. So here I am and I put my my lips and my heart and my mind and my whole self in your hands right now, and I ask that you would use me as your vessel today. Speak your word to your people 
Let it find a lodging place in the hearts of your people. Let those that have an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit would say to the church today. And as your word and your spirit are speaking in this house today, I'm asking that faith would begin to rise in the hearts of your people today. That we would be moved, oh God, to respond to your word by putting forth action that you are calling us to put forth in this house today. And that, Lord, our faith will begin to be manifested by our works as a result of what we hear today in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated if you can. Look, let me, let me ask you a question. I think I know the answer to it, but has anybody here ever been crucified? I mean, like literally crucified? Well, the fact that you're alive probably means no. <laughs> Crucifixion was an ugly thing. We sang about the blood and we sang about the cross. And I don't know about you, but I began to feel the power of God the minute we started singing about the cross. And we started singing about the blood. There's just something when you begin talking about the blood and about the crucifixion, the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's just something about that that brings a great power. Wikipedia describes crucifixion like this. It was usually intended to provide a death that was particularly slow, painful. And in parentheses, it has hence the term excruciating. The word excruciating actually comes from the word crucifixion or from the same root. The term excruciating literally means out of crucifying. So being excruciatingly painful is synonymous with being crucified. It was gruesome, humiliating, and it was quite public. Using whatever means was necessary or expedient to attaining the goal of trying to make an example of somebody so they wouldn't so, so somebody else wouldn't think about doing the same thing that they had done. In some cases, Wikipedia goes on, the condemned was forced to carry the crossbeam to the place of execution. A whole cross could weigh well over 300 pounds. Sometimes they only carried the crossbeam and they had the vertical beam was already stuck in a hole somewhere where they were going to do it. And they would nail the victim to the crossbeam and then lift it up and put it on the put it on the other uh, beam, or the beam, the, the upright beam would already be there. They would nail it later. It, it was done different ways. But whatever the case may be, it was shaped like a cross, and um, it was very heavy, and it was carried, and it would be attached to this post, and it would be hung up for all to see high so that everybody, even from a long distance, could see the shame of that person who had been humiliated and who had been crucified. They could have been uh, attached by a rope or nails, and we know in Jesus' case that, that he was uh, attached by nails. Now, the thing about that is that nails were only used when the soldiers were particularly mad about something particularly and fiercely angry about something. As a matter of fact, when they seized Jerusalem, Josephus, one of the Jewish historian, writes that they purposely uh, nailed as many Jews to the cross as they could. 
as a mockery and even to, to, to do it in jest. While crucifixion, crucifixion was an execution, it was a death penalty. It was meant more as a means of humiliation. The condemned was made as vulnerable as possible. Wikipedia says that although artists have traditionally depicted the figure on a cross wearing a loincloth, usually they were completely naked. Humiliation. Crucifixion was done. To be, it was intentionally, intentionally torturous and humiliating so that not only would it condemn the criminal, but dissuade others from doing the same thing. A warning to other potential criminals, so to speak. That was the whole reason the people cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! When it came to Jesus. Because they didn't want anybody else trying to do what Jesus had claimed to do. It's funny that during Jesus' time, there were at least 12 other people that tried to be messiahs. Not one of them was crucified. So although the Pharisees claimed not to believe, there must have been something in them that believed he was who he said he was. Because they went to the most extreme measure to stop him. <laughs> and yet he is still alive today. Come on, somebody. I'm glad that wasn't the end of the story. Paul said in our text, however, he said, I am crucified with Christ. It was the same word that was used when it said that there were thieves who were crucified alongside Jesus. It's a compound word that means crucified alongside. Paul says, I was crucified alongside Jesus. Not was, he said, I am. Present tense. But we know that Paul wasn't literally crucified. As a matter of fact, if he had been there during Jesus' day, he would have been the one shouting out and might have been one of the ones shouting out, crucify him. But he didn't write the epistle to the Galatians from a cross. When he penned those words, I am crucified with Christ. He was identifying metaphorically with the death of Jesus. Saying that the man I used to be. Even the man I desired to be at one time. Is now hanging on the cross besides Jesus. You see being crucified with Christ gives us the sense that by his death upon the cross. We have been utterly estranged from we have died to our former habits of feeling and action. Our former way of thinking. Our former way of living. I don't walk like I used to walk and talk like I used to talk. Because I am crucified with him. Amen. Paul would write to the Romans and in Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. 
Now, my friends, I want you to know that right there, that up there is in a nutshell what salvation and living for Christ really is. The man I used to be is nailed to the cross so that my old ways of being a sinner, my own mindset of doing things my way, are destroyed. And now I live in such a way as to serve a risen Savior and not my sin or even my flesh, by the way. The powerful thing about this whole idea of being crucified with Christ is that just like crucifixion was made to be such a public mockery and humiliation to those who would see it, to make an example of the criminal, to hang him there sometimes for days and days after they had even died, to hang them there so people would see what would happen if you did this. When I'm crucified with Christ, I must make sure that my old man stays nailed to the cross so that I can see it as a reminder of what will happen if I ever go back to my old ways. Paul was saying, not only was I crucified with Christ, but I am present tense crucified with Christ. I constantly see myself hanging on the cross as a reminder of the fact that I must make sure I don't go back to the way I used to be, to the man I used to be. I won't go back. I can't go back to the way it used to be before his presence came and changed me. I've been changed, as the songwriter said. I've been healed. I've been freed. I've been delivered, praise God. In your presence, Lord, I found peace. In your presence, I found grace. In your presence, I found favor. In your presence, I found the fullness of joy and pleasures evermore. I've been forgiven. There's no more fear. There's no more condemnation. There are no more chains holding me. My past is over. I won't go back. I can't go back to the way I used to be before I was changed by his presence. That is what it means to be crucified with Christ. I've been changed, and I never want to go back to being who I used to be. I was a wretch, I was a sinner, I was a mess. I didn't even like my own self, the guy I used to be, even when I was so busy trying to be that guy. The old Lou felt like he was having fun, but he really hated himself. Can I just be real? The old Lou wasn't really happy. He wasn't really satisfied with life. He really didn't have it all together, although many thought he did. He really wasn't even successful, although the world would have called Lou successful, the old Lou. But the old Lou is dead now. And he's got to stay that way. 
by the blood of Jesus. He's nailed to the cross. I am crucified with Christ. And I've got to maintain that mindset. Always keeping a picture of what it would look like for me if I go back to my old ways. I don't want to go back to death. I don't want to go back to destruction. I don't want to go back to everything being stripped away. I don't want to go back to a life of humiliation. I don't want to go back to a life of embarrassment. I don't want to go back to being exposed, to being somebody that I wasn't. God, help us always keep a picture of what it would look like if we go back to our old ways. Let me always keep myself on the cross. Somebody needs to hear this preacher this morning. Sin will destroy you. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will result in death and eternal damnation in the lake of fire, a place the Bible calls hell. And hell is not just a four-letter word. It's a real place. It's a place of torture. And by the way, it was never created for you. But the devil's going there, and he knows it, and he wants to take as many with him as he can. Why? Because he's trying to get back at the God that threw him out of heaven. And he knows that God loves man so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves his creation so much that he paid the ultimate sacrifice. And the devil knows how much God loves you and therefore he can't get to God. He can't destroy God. He can't take out God. So he wants to take you out to get back at God. But I rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. He has no more power over us. Hallelujah. But Satan wants to take you to hell. He wants to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life. And that more abundantly. Therefore I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. My old man died, but I live. I'm living in the nevertheless. This life I now live, I live by faith in Jesus, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Satan had you sentenced to everlasting destruction and damnation right alongside himself. But if you will allow yourself to be crucified and stay crucified with Christ, Christ has you sentenced to everlasting life. Abundant life, joyous life. Listen, Satan not only wants you to spend eternity in a state of emptiness and void and death, but he also wants you to live this life on earth with no hope of a better way. He wants you to live your life with nothing to look forward to but eternal destruction. And by the way, even if you don't believe in hell, what kind of life are you living if you believe there's nothing after this? What was it Paul said? If, if Jesus didn't die and rise again, if he didn't shed his blood, then we are of most men miserable. 
because we put the, fl- put the flesh to death and we mortify the members of our flesh, many times sacrificing pleasure and good feelings for what? If Jesus didn't die and rise again, why am I living like this? Ah, oh, because the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is going to be revealed on the other side. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus has an abundant life for me in heaven and here on earth. We must be crucified with Christ. But I'm so glad our text didn't end with crucifixion. (laughs) Because crucifixion is not the end. It's just the beginning. It was not the end for Jesus. And it's not the end for the child of God. There's a word nestled in that verse that is perhaps the most important word in that whole verse. Brother Sam, if you don't mind, put our text back up there. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. What's that next word? Nevertheless, I live. I died, but I'm not really dead. (laughs) I'm alive, and I'm more alive than I've ever been. I didn't even realize I really was dead before. I wasn't really living before. But life in Christ is really living, my friend. Come on, if you don't believe me, just try it. I got better life than I ever could have had on my own. That word, nevertheless, is powerful. It indicates that whatever was said before it is not final. I am crucified with Christ. My old life is over. The old me is dead and gone. And that death hurt a little bit. It was painful. It was tragic to my flesh. Nevertheless, though I died, I live. The life that I now live. It's partially, when you say nevertheless, it's partially like saying, this was true, but something else. The word nevertheless is kind of like using the word but and the word and together. It's like, you know, there's something over here that's true, and, and maybe it's bad, and maybe it's hurtful, but there's something better on the other side. That's what nevertheless means. It's a conjunction. If you don't know anything like gra- about grammar, conjunction in grammar is a word that connects two sentences or statements or clauses together. Words like but, and, words like and, words like because, words like since, words like if. In Spanish, words like e and pero, those are conjunctions. Hopefully I said that right. By definition, a conjunction is a word that connects two words. So when Paul wrote the words, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, he's saying, but wait, there's more. 
kind of like those infomercials. Send us $19.99 plus shipping and handling, and you can have this. But wait, we'll send you two for the price of one. But wait, there's more. If you do that, we'll also send you this extra knife on the other side. Nevertheless, I'm trying to get you to understand what the word nevertheless means. I'm thankful that there was more to the story than Jesus dying on the cross. Because the cross without the resurrection means nothing. Did you hear that? The cross without the resurrection, Sister Brown, is nothing. But the cross with the resurrection means everything. The cross with the resurrection means everything. Jesus died. Nevertheless, he rose again. That's why his prayer in the garden was so powerful. That prayer that was so raw and so intense. In today's world, we would say that prayer was unfiltered. In Luke 22 and 42, as Jesus is praying, the author Luke writes a, a picture of Paints a picture of words of, of how Jesus was praying. And as he prayed, he was in so much agony and so much stress that he prayed. And he was sweating as he prayed. When's the last time you prayed until you were sweating? But not only that, he was praying until he sweated. But his sweat came out as drops of blood. That's how much agony that he was in. I'm sweating right now. In Luke 22, verse 42, Jesus is praying. He said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. There's that word. Nevertheless, I don't want to do it. It's going to hurt. It's going to cost me everything. I don't want to do this. It's not going to be good for me. It's not going to feel good. Everything within Jesus' flesh was saying, no, no, no. And so Jesus said, Lord, if it's possible, if there's any other way, God, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, you see, many of us pray and pray and pray because we know what God is asking us to do. We know the steps that he's asking us to do, and we're asking, God, isn't there any other way? And it's okay to pray that prayer. Jesus prayed that prayer. But there are times when there may not be another way. There was no other way because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And if there was going to be eternal life, and if there was going to be remission of sins, then there had to be death and shedding of blood. There was no other way. So nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus nailed himself to the cross in the garden before a Roman soldier ever picked up a nail. 
Walking in the nevertheless means walking not according to my will, but according to God's will. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's the least you could do to pray, not my will, but thine be done. It's the least you could do but to live in the nevertheless. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're never going to prove the will of God if you're always trying to do your will. If you're never willing to put yourself on the cross, you're never going to prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will. But if you can ever get to the point where you pray, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thine be done, you will begin to see the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. I am not my own. Verse 24, you are bought with a price. You are not your own. But you're bought with the price, the precious blood of Christ. We sing about it. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. That precious blood was the high price that Jesus paid to give us life. Therefore, I'm not free to do my own thing. I'm not free to live my own life the way I want to live it. Not if I want to make it to heaven. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus died, nevertheless he lives. He rose again. He died, but nevertheless he ascended to heaven. He went back to heaven, leaving us here on earth. But nevertheless, he, went. he was talking with the disciples one day, and he was telling them about all these things that was going to happen. And they didn't want to hear it. Matter of fact, Peter started trying to rebuke him. And Jesus said, Satan, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> he wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to the devil speaking through Peter. The disciples were having a tough time with the will of God. And Jesus said it like this in John 16, starting in verse 6. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. When's the last time? You actually listen to God so closely that sorrow began to fill your heart with what he was saying. That's what's supposed to happen whenever he convicts you of sin. Because godly sorrow works repentance. It was just very recently God spoke to me about something and I'm like, oh, God. That hurt. But I'm sorry. Began to grieve in my spirit, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that's what I was doing. I wasn't out there sinning or anything. Don't, don't get me wrong, but. Like, God, I'm sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean it that way. You know, we, we got to let the word speak to us. And sometimes it's going to cause grief, but that's all right because godly sorrow works repent, work repentance. And when we repent, that's when God begins to do a restoring and a healing work in our lives. Never discount repentance, by the way. But he said, sorrow hath filled your heart because of what I said in verse 7. Nevertheless. 
talking about living in the, in the nevertheless. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you. In other words, it's good for you that I go away. They're like, Jesus, you've only been with us for like three and a half years. We, we're not ready for you to go away yet. But he said, if I don't go away, then the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so he died. He rose again, but then he left them on earth. Nevertheless, he did come back as the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. It happened in an upper room on the day of Pentecost when they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And when God started pouring out His Spirit, He still hasn't stopped. He's still pouring out His Spirit in the last days on all flesh. still happening today if you've never received the holy ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues you can receive it today but not only that there's more to that story more to our story than just receiving and walking in the holy ghost because there's another nevertheless that we are living in as a church right now because we look forward to the day when Jesus comes back again with all of his armies to take us into glory with him. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Oh, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. We are actually living in the nevertheless right now. And by the way, church, part of living in the nevertheless is given to us in our instructions and in what Jesus in his and what Jesus gave the disciples, it's what we call the Great Commission. I love Mark's account of it, Mark 16, 15 through 18. This is what it means to live in the nevertheless. He said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Jesus loves all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white. All are precious in his sight. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And look at this. I'm talking about living in the nevertheless, right? These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. By the way, we're not talking about purposely doing those things. But he also says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Living in the nevertheless means walking with Jesus on his mission, working with him on his mission. And he said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to set the captives free. When we walk and work with him, we are walking and working with all his power at our disposal. That's what it means to walk in the nevertheless. Walking in the nevertheless will result in miracles, signs, and wonders following the church. 
That's why Peter could walk up to the lame man at the gate, beautiful, and say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Listen, you may not have anything else, but if you've got the name of Jesus, you've got everything that you need. That's why you better be baptized in Jesus' name, because that's how you get the name of Jesus as part of your life. Peter and some of the other disciples had been fishing all night long. We talked about this a little bit Wednesday night. They were mending their nets one morning after a fruitless night of fishing, hadn't caught a thing. They must not have gone with me and Pastor because we catch stuff. I thought they were professionals. You know, Pastor and I have been fishing sometimes when there was tournaments, and we caught more fish than the people fishing tournaments. Just saying. Somebody needs to give us an endorsement. No. If you're listening out there, somebody, Bass Pro Shops or Yum or Zoom or one of your lure manufacturers or Paula, somebody, give us an endorsement. We catch a lot of fish. Sorry, I digress. Peter's mending his nets. Jesus comes along, climbs in Peter's boat, and starts to teach. There's crowds following Jesus. He didn't have room. They were, they were about to press him into the water, so he got in the boat, pushed out a little bit because the sound echoes off the water and all that, and so he starts teaching and that way the crowds that were way back in the nosebleed section could still hear him. But then he's done teaching. And he turns to Peter, who's still back there mending his nets. In Luke chapter 5, verse 4, he says, When he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. God, we be Listen, you're, you're just a carpenter. You're, you're a teacher. We've been fishing all night. We're professionals. We know what we're doing, but Simon answered him, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. What's that next word? Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, Jesus said nets, and he said net, and we don't have time to get into that, but if he'd listened, they wouldn't have had the problem they had later. But walking in the nevertheless means walking into the obe into obedience uh, to the word that Jesus speaks into your heart. We said it on Wednesday night. There's two types of word. There's the written word, which is scripture that is profitable, profitable for doctrine and reproof and instruction and righteousness and correction and, and all of those things, right? This is the word. It's profitable. And by the way, it's forever settled in heaven. And if anything ever contradicts this, it's contradicting God. So get away from it. Even if that person said they were speaking for God. Or even if that voice that you heard in the middle of the night, you thought it was God. If it contradicts this, it wasn't God because they'll never contradict this because it's forever settled. You can't go against it. But child of God, there is another kind of word that you need in your life. And that's called the rhema word, which is the spoken word, the uttered word of God. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, by every rhema word, everything that God says, everything the preacher preaches across the pulpit, if he's preaching truth. 
You got to have Rhema word. You got to have God speak it into your life because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, by the Rhema, by the spoken word of God. You've got to hear the word of God spoken into your spirit. Listen, we got to learn the voice of God. Jesus said, My sheep know my voice, and they won't follow another one. problem with many of us is we're following the wrong voices and that's why we end up in trouble but if you would just learn the voice of God last year of my life a little bit over a year seems like it's been nothing but affliction and furnace of affliction and just over and over and over again stuff happening and crazy stuff and I'm not complaining but I'm just saying over and over but you know what God told me he said the reason I'm taking you through the wilderness and through the affliction is so that you will know that you know that you know that you know that you know my voice Because if ever you're going to walk by faith into the things that I have in store for you, you've got to know my voice, and you've got to know that you know my voice. And child of God, you've got to know that you know that you know that you know the voice of God. This is what, I didn't give it to him, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. I know, i got to wrap up, I know. I feel the Holy Ghost still in the house. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, this is a picture of what it's like to walk with Jesus. He said, thine ears shall hear a word. There it is, right up there for you. Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee. This is what it's like walking with Jesus when you know his voice. You'll hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand. And when you turn to the left, in other words, when you're at a crossroads and you don't know which way to go, when you've got options, I'm looking out across the sanctuary right now, and if I wanted to go out of the sanctuary and walk out the door, I've got a lot of options. I can walk that way, I can walk that way, I can walk that way, I, can, I mean, I've got all these different paths, right? And sometimes it can be confusing when you've got a lot of options before you, and the devil, if he can't get you to turn away from God, he'll try to get you confused so you take the wrong turn. You'll be like Bugs Bunny and took that left in Albuquerque when you're supposed to take a right. But if you'll just walk with him and sometimes stop and listen. You know what they, what they tell kids before they cross the street, right? Stop, look, and listen. If we would just practice that in our spirit life, things would be a whole lot better. Sometimes you've got to stop, look, and listen. Because as you stand at the crosswords, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. It might seem like it makes more sense to go that way because it's the shortest route. But God might tell me to go that way. Go all the way around by the sound booth. Go all the way around that way. Then he might tell me to take another right and come back up here and go that way before. I don't know. I just know that if he says walk that way, I need to walk that way. Because that's walking by faith. And if I want true life, I've got to walk by the words that I hear. And walking by faith is walking by the words I hear from God. So Peter said, Lord, I thought I knew what I was doing. I'm a professional fisherman, and you're just a carpenter and a teacher. But but nevertheless, at thy word, I'll go and let down the net. And so he went and let down the net. And as he let down the net, caught so many fishes that the net began to break. God wants to give us a net break in your life.
God wants to give us the kind of harvest that we don't even think we can handle, but, but that's all right. We'll be able to bust out the back walls and go into phase two and phase three and get more property and all that. God knows what he's doing. He'll, he'll provide the room for the harvest that he wants to bring in. He's going to do it. That's what he wants to do, but he can't do it until we learn to live in the nevertheless, until we learn to say, nevertheless, whatever the circumstances look like, no matter how many times I've tried it before and failed, no matter what, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it because you said to do it, and whatever you say, I know you're going to back up your word walking in the nevertheless means walking in obedience to the word of God Elijah's days were coming to an end and he's walking with Elisha his servant the one that he had taken the mantle and thrown upon way back years before Elijah said Elisha, won't you stay over here with the school of prophets? I got to go over here somewhere. Elisha said, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going there. He said, well, I got to go over there. Why don't you w- wait here? And Elijah's like, no, no. Elisha's like, no, I'm not going anywhere. Three or four times he, he tells him, go, stay here. Elisha said, no, I'm sticking with it. No, I'm staying with you. No, I started this journey a long time ago. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't take up your mantle and start carrying it. I didn't build fires for you all this time. I, I didn't cook your meals all this time and wash your feet all this time and send your messages all this time and carry your staff all this time. I didn't follow you and serve you and do everything uh, that I've been doing all these years uh, to leave you now. So he followed him all the way down, uh, and Elijah gets to the Jordan River, uh, And he goes up to the Jordan River, and right as he approaches it, bam, hits the water. The water spreads apart. Him and Elisha walk across on dry ground. Elijah's getting ready to go. Finally, he looks at Elisha and said, you know, you stuck with me all this time. You were faithful. Walking in the nevertheless means being faithful. You're faithful to me all this time. What is it that I can do for you? Look at this in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9. It came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Elijah did kind of a double take. The old man of God, the one that's getting ready to go. He's like, what? What did you just ask for? Did I hear you right? He said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Elisha, do you know what you're asking for? James, Brother James mentioned in pre-service prayer, the disciples asking one to sit on the right and one to sit on the left. And Jesus said, can you, can you drink the cup and be baptized with the baptism I've, I've been baptized with? In other words, are you going to be able to go through what, I, what I'm getting ready to go through? Are you willing to pay the price for what you're asking for? Elijah was like, look, man, you understand, this hasn't been easy. There was times the only thing I had to eat was what ravens brought to me. There was times I had queens, crazy mad, Jezebel queens chasing me, trying to kill me. I had to have a showdown with a king on a mountain, and there was 450 of them and one of me. Do you know what you're asking for, Elisha? But look at the rest of that verse. You've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me, 
when I'm taken from you, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. In other words, if you stick with me, if you're faithful, if you'll continue to walk with me, even when it's difficult. Elisha had seen some of the hard times. Elisha had seen some of the tough things. And Elisha knew what he's getting himself in for. And so Elisha said, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. I'm going to stick with you. Walking in the, in the nevertheless, by the way, first of all, means not being afraid to ask for the hard thing. Elisha asked for a hard thing. It's all right to pray that we double the church in a year. It's all right to pray that God get Pastor did it one time. God, he prayed and God spoke to him and he began to proclaim it and said, listen, I believe God's going to give us a hundred soul revival this year. And guess what? It happened. Don't be afraid to ask for a hard thing. If you need a miracle, ask for it. It's okay to ask for because you're asking the God for whom nothing is too hard. You're asking the God for whom nothing is impossible. There's nothing impossible with God. So go ahead and walk in the nevertheless, even though it seems hard. Walking in the nevertheless also means sticking with it. Through the hardship, through the pain, through the drudgery, through the difficulties, no matter where he leads you, you stick with it. Walking in the nevertheless, nevertheless means staying where God puts you and blooming where you are planted. There's something that every Christian needs to understand. Hardships and temptations and trials are going to come even when you're in the middle of God's will. Jesus sent the disciples into a storm. But as a result, they got to know Jesus on another level. And as a result, Peter walked on water. Don't be afraid to go where God tells you to go. And don't get shaken when the winds and the waves begin to blow. Because walking in the nevertheless, means staying where God puts you for as long as he wants you to be there. So if you can learn to just pray through it and stick to it, you'd be all right. Somebody write that down. Pray through it and stick to it. Because if you'll do that, God will do what he said you, he, he would do. Every Christian needs to have perseverance. Every Christian needs to have endurance. Every Christian needs to learn how to stay and pray. You have to get up and run every time something goes wrong. James said, James chapter 1 verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. Listen, God has a double portion for somebody. God has greater things for you. He's got a greater portion for you. He wants to pour it out on you, but he's got to know that you're going to stick with it. He's got to know that you're going to pray through it and stick to it. He's got to know that you're going to stand even when things go crazy, that you're going to put your armor on and, and just go ahead and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and having done all to still be able to stand. That's what walking in the nevertheless means. Pray through it and stick to it. He did it for Elisha. Elijah got taken up in a whirlwind. Elisha went and picked up the mantle. 
He said, let me try this out and see if it works. And he took the mantle of Elijah and he struck the same Jordan River that Elisha had parted. And the river parted just like it did for Elijah. And Elisha walked across and the people on the other side, the school of the prophets, they were all like, what just happened? I mean, in this day, there'd be a whole bunch of people with video cameras. Elisha would have been famous overnight. He would have gone viral. Why? Because he knew how to pray through it and stick to it. Put your hands to the Lord right now. Brother Milton, Sister Maria. God says because you have stuck to it. Because you have been faithful, God is going to grant you the revival in the Spanish community that you've been praying for. You've asked a hard thing. But God says, if you just continue sticking to it, I'm going to pour it out. It's going to happen. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do in the name of Jesus. Don't give up now. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged because it's getting ready to happen in the name of Jesus. How many of you believe there's going to be revival in the Spanish community in New Britain? Come on now. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I need somebody to start praying for the Polish community. We got to get inroads in there. God wants to give us revival there, too. Matter of fact, along those lines, I was getting ready to stop, but I feel a check in my spirit. I got, I got one more example, and then maybe we'll, we'll close up. David had been king of Judah for a little over seven years, about seven and a half years. He had waited some 15 or 20 years until King Saul was killed in battle. He was anointed by Samuel to be king. He was either 10 years old, somewhere between 10 and 15 years old. We don't really know exactly, but somewhere between 10 and 15 years old when, when Samuel anointed him to be king, and he didn't become king until he was 30 years old. But even when he became king, he was only king over Judah and not king over the rest of Israel. But God said, it's time to start that. And so David went up to a city called Jerusalem. Now, it's interesting that Jerusalem was inhabited by Jebusites. The Jebusites were the people that Judah and Benjamin were not able to conquer when they were going into the promised land. Not because God wasn't able, just they they decided they weren't able to do it. And so the Jebusites thought, man, we've been alive this whole time, and God promised this land, but we must be the exception. And, and, and so the Jebusites are holed up in Jerusalem. David comes. He's like, there's a new sheriff in town now. I'm, get, I'm getting ready to take Jerusalem. And, and, and the Jebusites came down. Look, look at what they said. They, they were all cocky. They said, the king and his men, David and his men, went to Jerusalem under the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David, saying, look at this, except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither. Thinking in their mind, by the way, God's not worried about what the devil thinks. You shouldn't be either. Thinking in their mind, David cannot come in hither. David cannot come in hither. It's like, look, you're crazy. Joshua couldn't do it in his day. Judah couldn't do it. Benjamin couldn't do it. All those people couldn't do it. What makes you so special, David? They began laughing. They said, look, we could send the blind and the lame people out to you, and you still couldn't win. That's like saying, I I could beat you with one hand tied behind my back. I could close my eyes. Like like Michael Jordan when he was in the the game, and, and, and he's on the free throw line, and he closed his eyes and shot the free throw. They're like, look. 
This, this, is, this is child's play. You, can, you can't take that. I feel in my spirit that somebody's looking at something that God's told you to take, take possession of. And, and, and you've been listening to the voices saying, no, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. feel like it's time you walk in some promises. You've been knocking on that door. You've been knocking and knocking on the door, and the enemy's back there saying, I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. You know they're in there. You know God told you to walk through the door. For whatever reason, it's not opening, it's not opening. Jesus said, just keep knocking, because everyone that knocketh, the door's going to be open. But that's how it was with David and the Jebusites. But look at what happened. They said, you can't come in hither. We could send our blind folk and our lame folks out, and you still couldn't beat us. They're saying, look, we got more power in our blind people and our crippled people than you have in all your army. But it doesn't matter what the enemy said. 2 Samuel 5, verse 7. That word, it's up there again. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, Jerusalem, the stronghold of Zion, the same as the city of David. The enemy said that he couldn't do it, but God said, yes, you can. Walking in the nevertheless means that the, when the enemy says no, God says yes. Walking in the nevertheless means when it seems like it's too hard, God says don't forget that there's nothing too hard for me. And you can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you. Walking in the nevertheless means I've got a word from God. And if God told me I could do it, then I can walk in confidence. I can be confident that he that had begun a good work in me will perform it until the end. Because he always finishes what he started. Walking in the nevertheless means I believe in the report of the Lord, not in the report of the doctor, not in the report of the enemy, not in the report of my bank account, not in the report of all of those that said no. Because when God says yes, it means yes. And it doesn't matter how many other people are saying no. Somebody needs to learn how to walk in the nevertheless and believe the report of the Lord. Walking in the nevertheless means that just because other people have tried it and it didn't work doesn't mean that he won't, God won't let you do it. Doesn't matter if Judah didn't do it. Doesn't matter if Benjamin didn't do it. David, go and do it because I'm telling you now that you can. Just because you tried it and you couldn't do it before doesn't mean you can't do it this time. So just get back up and try again. Get back up and say, Lord, I know you said it and I believe it and I'm going to do it. It didn't work the first time, so show me how to make it work the second time. Stand with me, please. We need to learn how to walk and the nevertheless, Nehemiah's building a wall, and the enemies came, and they began to mock them. They just kept on building. Then the enemies came, and they tried to attack them. They got them all together, and they ganged up on them. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 9, it just says, but we made our prayer. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. 
enemy comes against you when you're trying to do the work of God, just nevertheless, make your prayer to your God and just keep on doing it. They kept on, they kept on working. They had a hammer in one hand and a sword in another hand, but they kept on working. And they kept on working, and they kept on working. Listen, we can't stop. We can't come down from the walls just because the enemy's trying to taunt us. We can't come down from our prayer closet just because the just because the enemy tried to tell us it's not worth it. We can't come down from marching toward revival just because the devil said we can't do it. We can't come down from trying to get revival in the Polish community just because it hasn't happened yet and the stronghold hasn't come down now. We can't stop. Until Jesus comes, we will have revival. So this is what we need to do today. You need to find a place to pray. And you need to let the Lord speak and encouraging nevertheless into your spirit today. I don't know what it is that God has been asking you to do. But whatever it is, you need to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Altar's open. God wants to do a work in you. He wants to do a work through you. He wants to give you a miracle. He wants to give you a breakthrough. Nevertheless, 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 I know it's hard right now. Nevertheless, I know I messed up. Nevertheless, Lord, just man falls seven times and gets back up again. God, I know that I know I didn't do it right the first time. Nevertheless, I know you showed it to me, so just to, show me what to do right. Show me what to do now. Show me what to do. Show me how to do it the right way. Teach my hands to war. I tried to get AI the first time, but I did it my own way and didn't realize there was something messed up. So I'm going to get it right, and now I'm ready to move forward. We need to learn how to walk in the nevertheless. Some of you, you've got a word from the Lord. But you let fear speak louder than what God said. God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to do that. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how that's going to work. God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Nevertheless, at thy word, God always comes through. Just like the nets broke when Peter obeyed. Just like David was able to take Jerusalem even though they, the, the enemy said he couldn't. You can do what God said for you to do. Come on, let's reach out to the Lord right now. Let's reach out to him right now and let God do what he wants to do.
Let's praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for talking to us today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. Nevertheless, we live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. To the Spanish people, I just quiero recordarles que tenemos nuestro servicio hoy en la noche a las seis de la tarde. Les invitamos que nos acompañen, que sea el Señor que se glorifique en cada uno de los que le sirven en el nombre del Señor Jesús. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We are all dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.